player podcast. Halloween pool is here, where the scar and abnormal live and terror thrives. So make sure the lights stay on as Nerd Pool presents Halloween Pool. What's up, all you ghouls and goblins, and welcome to another episode of Halloween Pool, brought to you by the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a JMIE, your 666th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of spooky. Today, we are doing a sequel, a prequel, and a remake. That's right, you're getting a three for one as we talk three different movies, all of them related to former projects that were years ago. So, let's just jump right into it. The first one we're going to be talking about, why not start with the prequel? The prequel is The Monsters. 2022 has brought us The Monsters. If you don't know The Monsters, The Monsters are a television family from the 60s, and it ran from 64 to 66. It is it is based on the exploits of Herman, Lily, Eddie, Grandpa, and Marilyn Munster, the all-American family that just happens to be Universal Monsters, Halloween themed, you know, it's the, uh, it's Frankenstein, it's Dracula, it's werewolves. However, this came out about the same time as, or exactly one day after the Adams Family, so they were both in that kind of aspect. There have been many attempts to recreate this. I'm a huge fan of the monsters. I love the show. Fred Gwynn especially did an amazing job as Herman Munster in the original series. And Yvonne DiCarlo was so attractive as Lily and did an amazing job. I always kind of had a little thing for it, but that's all we're talking about. We'll get into the monsters another day. We're talking about the 2022 uh, reboot, the prequel directed by super fan Rob Zombie. Now, Rob Zombie is either a you love him or you hate him director. He's done multiple movies at this point, and some are great, some are not so great. Uh, I think I've kind of discussed a little bit of it. Devil's Rejects was amazing, and Witches of Salem, I still to this day don't know what the fuck the movie was about. So, But he being a super fan, they've tried to reboot the monsters every few years. It seemed we've had cartoons, we've had television shows, we've had a one-shot series on uh, NBC that ran for one episode that just bombed completely. We've had multiple TV movies, they've had one big screen movie. And yet, this was going to be the next adaptation of it. And again, with Rob Zombie being a super fan of the show, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance. I think this could actually work. It's going to depend on the casting and how he does it. Uh, Daniel Roebuck plays Grandpa. Let me get this out of the way right now. Grandpa looks amazing in this. Uh, The design for Grandpa looked just like it was. The only issue was the mustache. Now, I know... Dracula has a mustache in the book. I just, I honestly, it just kind of distracted me. I don't know why you went that route. I guess you're kind of trying to make your own way and like most directors do and stay with, um, give yourself a different look. He looks just like Grandpa besides the mustache. Daniel Roebuck does an amazing job. Like he, a lot of the time he has the, the voice of Grandpa. He, he, he doesn't have the exact comedic timing that uh, Al Lewis had, but not many people are going to in that role. But Daniel Roebuck is by far the best part of this entire movie. He plays the role perfectly. Him being a super fan, I think he really wanted to bring an aspect to Grandpa and pay a great uh, homage to Al Lewis and that entire thing. Uh, We had Lily Monster played by Sherry Moon Zombie. I already know what you're going to say. Everybody hates on Sherry Moon Zombie. She's not the best actress. She's basically in everything Rob Zombie does. They're married. That's what's going to happen. She's a fan, so when she was cast as Lily, I was like, oh, Lord, this, I don't, nah. She looks good in the role. Uh, she kind of, you know, she tries to talk in the cadence that Lily might have and kind of have that little, the, the the way that she speaks. Her voice isn't the same, but, I mean, honestly, let's just say this. She's not that good in this role. Lily's character role in this is kind of weird. We'll get into the story here in a second. 
it just doesn't play well. We have um, Jeff Daniel Phillips taking on the role of Herman Munster. And I will say this, uh, visually, he looked off. Uh, the, 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 this being in color, the, the, the deep tone of green skin, for some reason, was kind of a little distracting. It, it's weird, I know, but it just didn't work. It seemed like they patted him in weird places. And the way that he played Herman just doesn't work for me. Uh, Fred Gwynn has a unique voice, that deep voice that Jeff Daniel Phillips doesn't have. That takes me away from it. I know what Herman's supposed to sound like, and this is not it. The only time he tries to mimic that is when he does Herman's laugh, which is a very distinctive laugh. And he just he doesn't seem like he care gets what Herman Munster is in this. I don't know if it was a direct result of Rob Zombie writing it this way, or if it's a character... Um, choice that Jeff Daniel Phillips decided to do. However, I will say this, if he did decide to do this, it robs on being a fan, should have pulled him back some. Fred Gwynn did a little slapstick, but he wasn't overly like this. The way that Jeff Daniel Phillips moves in this mo movie, the way he kind of talks, the way he acts, it it's not Herman. He's too slapstick. He's like he's playing Jeff, it's like he's playing Jim Carrey playing Herman Munster. It's kind of like watching The Mask or Ace Ventura be Herman Munster. It just, it just didn't work. And again, the voice... Not having that deep Herman Munster voice just kind of takes me out of it. But on the other hand, the visuals of this movie are great. The the set designs, the the colors ended up working. I know that originally when it was going to be in color, a lot of people were you know weirded out. They're like, this needs to be in black and white to pay homage. And I was one of those people. But the colors, everything just pops. It looks good. Um, you know, like I said, visually, all the set designs, everything looks great you see throwbacks of characters from the show you see new characters we see orlock the uh vampire from nosferatu in this there's so much going on like visually it looks great story-wise i kind of compare this to napoleon dynamite uh napoleon dynamite is a great movie i love napoleon dynamite but you know it's like different skits put together based around a small plot of pedro running for class president this entire movie is based around lily and herman meeting for the first time and them falling in love, and we kind of get to see that. It's a prequel. Eddie's not in this. Marilyn's not in this. Um, the story doesn't really make sense. Uh, we see Grandpa doesn't like Herman. I guess he doesn't think Herman's good enough for Lily. And then, for some reason, he just likes Herman, and they move to America into Mockingbird Lane. Uh, again, spoilers for all of this. You know, you know how it is. I'm going to be spoiling every movie I'm talking about, so I'm sorry I didn't put that before, but, but you know how I roll, so let's just, just do that anyway. Um, but it didn't make a lot of sense. It was just a small story. Like we see them, we see when they first meet, we kind of see the, uh, them court a little bit, but it's kind of like rushed and montaged through a Sonny and Cher thing, through a Sonny and Cher type skit where they're singing, you know, I got you, babe. And we kind of see them dating. We see them go on their honeymoon. And then Lily's got a brother who's a werewolf, which says all weird things, but it kind of guess would explain why Eddie ends up being a werewolf. I don't know. I don't know why he was involved in this, but he's trying to, he owes money to a woman in Transylvania. She wants the castle. We find out later that she was one time married to uh, the Count, Lily's or grandpa. It, it, she wants to turn the castle into a um, casino. Herman ends up signing the castle over. I don't know how he's able to sign the castle over. He's not on the castle or anything, but they, they move that plot. They don't do anything to really get the castle back. It's just they give it up. We never see what happens, and it, it just it makes no sense. The story of this, again, makes no sense. What they should have done and what should have been done about this, the story is easily done. What I would have done 
is you have it to where Grandpa doesn't like Herman. He doesn't think Herman's good enough uh, for the um, for Lily. He doesn't. He doesn't think he is at all. He thinks Orlock, which was the uh, was Nosferatu. He comes from a good stock, and that he thinks Lily should be with him. They're both vampires. Whatever. Um, so basically, the movie should have been that Lily is in love with Herman and Grandpa trying to split them up, trying to get her to date Orlock. Him and Orlock come up with a plan to get Herman out of the picture. One small thing in this is when Herman gets made, he's got the brain of a comedian, um, and after he gets the brain of the comedian, which was supposed to be an astrophysicist, it ends up being that he becomes like a star. He releases an album, he's doing a tour, people are going to see him, he's supposed to be like a big deal, he's a star. And then they never go back to it. Like he, they never explain it. They never talk about it again. After him and Lily meet, it's just over with. What it, what what the movie should have been done is Grandpa, you know, trying different things to split them up. Him and Orlock are trying to split them up. And then at one point, you know, he has Lily goes out with Orlock. She's going to tell him. She's telling him, you know, she's in love with Herman. That that this is not going to work. She need, he needs to leave her alone. You have Grandpa show Herman that she's with Orlock. And saying, you know, like, this is what she needs. She needs someone who's, you know, on her level, who who could give her the things that you can't do, and you, you know, you got to leave. And, and then Herman, he, he realizes he's right, and he kind of, he tells Lily he can't be with her anymore, and then they split up. Well, then, you know, Lily does a, though, I hate you, Herman Munster, you know, for whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then she starts dating Orlock. She's not happy. You kind of see Grandpa start turning around, realizing that Orlock isn't the person for her. You do a subplot of saying Orlock's family isn't rich anymore. He's trying to marry into it so he can receive the money that the Count is worth. He can get the castle. You do that whole plot that, that he's basically trying to steal everything from Lily by marrying into this family and being able to take control of everything. Um, we find that Herman finds this out. He, he hears Orlock talking to a buddy. He hears him talking to his family, whatever. However you do that, Herman finds it out. So then Herman goes, and Herman is trying to get Lily back, trying to let her know, you know, this. She doesn't want to talk to him. Grandpa's trying to stop him. Orlock's trying to stop him. And then at the end of it, you know, we see that Lily is standing at the altar, or Lily is coming down the aisle uh, waiting to get married, and either Herman interrupts the wedding of her to Orlock, or you do the whole thing to where when Lily's grandpa's walking Lily down the aisle after everything, she looks up and it's not Orlock, it's Herman standing there, and she smiles. And you know, grandpa does the whole, you know, I I should have realized how much he meant to you or whatever. And then we go from there. Like the story, that's just a basic. Like I, you could have wrote that story better, but that's just a basic story they could have went with that would have worked a lot better for this movie instead of the way they pulled it. It would have gave you a story. It would have gave you a little bit of build. It would have gave you a little bit of backstory. It would have gave you. Herman and, you know, trying to impress the count, Grandpa and Grandpa not liking Herman. It would have just been better than what they did, which was just a bunch of SNL-looking skits. However, again, visually, the movie looks great, and that's pretty much all I can say. It's a fun, goofy kids movie. It's not the worst monster movie, unfortunately. Uh, Monsters of Scary Christmas might be worse than this, but it's just that it's a fun, goofy, little campy movie, a kind of a nod to the TV show. It can be in the same frame. It's not nowhere near as good, but it's not completely unenjoyable. You know, it's it's something the kids could watch. You there has moments you laugh at, and it's just slightly enjoyable. The next movie we're talking about is going to be the sequel that was 30 years in the making, and I could only be talking about Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus is one of those movies Disney did that everybody watches on Halloween and then the Halloween season, starring Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy uh, Najimy. That's I'm pretty sure that's how you say her name. Anyway, 
it's one of those movies that we've all watched, we've all loved, we all pretty much love. There's some that might not. The story revolves around the Sanderson sisters, witches from the Salem trials, who were tried and convicted of witchcraft and were sentenced to death in Salem. They're, they curse the country, uh, the city, saying they'll be back if someone lights a black flame candle. A uh, virgin lights a black flame candle on Halloween. The first one, as we know, that's lit, they go back. They have 24 hours to try to save themselves. The Sanderson sisters end up going away. Um, when it ended, people have been calling for a sequel to this movie forever. It has been one of them things where people always wanted a sequel because so many of us loved the original one so much. And with Disney Plus happening, Disney finally okayed it. It was going for some reason. I, it was supposed to be a theater, a theater, theatrical release, a big screen debut, and they decided to uh, wait till Halloween of 2022 and put it on Disney Plus. Now, I don't know if plans changed, and that's what they wanted to do originally: try to get subscribers, more subscribers of Disney Plus, or if they just didn't think the movie was going to do well in theaters. You know, maybe they didn't trend well with their um, test audiences or whatever. However, this movie revolves around the same Sanders and sisters we see in the backstory of it. Again, spoilers. We kind of see them when they're young. We see them uh, become witches and learn about witchcraft. We see that they were going to be split up because uh, Winifred was going to be married off to someone she didn't want to be with. She wanted to be with Billy, who was her, uh, her soulmate, because they kissed one time. That's the funny funny thing we run into, the running joke here. We all know that... Uh, Billy Butcherson from the first one was supposed to be the lover of Winifred, but had an affair with uh, Sarah, her younger sister, the Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Well, we come to find out that he was never actually Winifred's lover. They kissed one time. That, that's the running joke. He does this, and then this, he says, you know, uh, Doug Jones reprises his role as Billy Butcherson, and he the whole time is like, we kissed one time, one time. Well, this story revolves around uh, teen girls, who always do some ritual on their birthday or something. One of them's different, but they're all there in the witchcraft. And then the Sanderson sisters house has now become a, it's become a museum slash magic shop ran by a guy named Gilbert who originally saw the Sanderson sisters when he was young and they were flying over and he has been trying to chase them and bring them back since then for why they never really understand or explain why he wanted to bring them back. But his whole thing is trying to bring them back, and he knows that they are, and it's kind of weird. He gives them a black flame candle. He said, you know, you can light this. I don't know how there's another candle all of a sudden. I don't know how that happened. They don't explain how that, how there's multiple candles that can bring them back. She lights the candle as they go to do the woods where the Sanderson sisters originally got their powers, and you see her get, Winifred get uh, the book of the Necronomicon or whatever you want to call it, her book of spells. We see her actually receive that. Um, now... We see that the girls are there to do their seance or magic or whatever. They light the candle and the Sanderson sisters return. It's kind of weird because the girls are, you know, in middle school, maybe high school. Um, and they're, you know, it's basically saying they're virgins. He knew they were virgins, which is kind of weird about Gilbert and the aspect of it. But they bring the Sanderson sisters back and we go through the whole rigmarole. You know, they do the whole... They, they're trying to show them. They, you see them going to Walgreens, and they're going to you know eat children and try to be young. Well, the girls take her to Walgreens, and they're, they're telling them, showing them about creams and lotions to try to keep them young. Um, but the whole story of this one is built around the mayor of the city is the father of one of the girls, and he is a descendant of the priest who was trying to marry 
Winifred off originally and basically ended up sentencing them to death. And, you know, uh, so they're going to kill him and end his lineage. That's the whole point. They want to end his bloodline. Um, and so that's a story of the girls trying to kill the um, mayor of the city. And then you have the three girls trying to protect the mayor and protect the city. It's, it's a lot of callbacks to the original one, uh, them flying brooms from from Walgreens, and Mary, played by Kathy Najimy, uh, is, has two Roombas that she's flying on, which is kind of funny, watching her try to fly on these Roombas and try to control them. We find out that salt can actually stop their magic. If you surround them in salt, their magic can't penetrate it. They can't touch you if you're surrounded by salt. We see all, the, all these little callbacks. It's... It, it, the movie is not bad. Like, honestly, I was expecting this movie to be a lot worse. There was people, you know, you see some of the critics online that read it saying that it was terrible. The movie is not that bad. It's not as good as the original, but it does have the same spirit as, as the original. The, um, you know, Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy, they all have their roles down. They know these roles. They do well in these roles. We get the um, musical number that Bette Midler did for the first one. We get a new one in this one, which is fun. The jokes are corny. The jo you know, the everything's campy. It's built more towards kids, but again, it's in the same spirit and vein as the original. And I, I actually enjoyed this film. I think it worked, and we actually get a heartfelt moment to where we find out that all Winifred really wants, she's trying to the especially this was how she's trying to kill the bloodline is she's trying to create a spell from the book that allows her to be the most powerful witch. Like it, you know, you get the most power from this and you um, become almighty basically uh, we find out that the girls the young girls are actually witches or at least one of them is and it that that kind of annoyed me I'm like while it's really like she's a witch like it just it didn't fit to me but it's a small aspect and it, it goes with what the plot of the movie is but the thing is when Winifred actually gets the spell done and she becomes all-powerful the book says that when this happens, it takes what you love the most as a basically a sacrifice for giving you these powers. And we see that her sisters disappear. And we get that moment of Winifred basically begging, help me to undo this. You know, I, I don't want this. Like, I, what's the point of being all powerful if I don't have my sisters? She loves her sisters. You know, even though it's kind of like Three Stooges in the aspect of the way she treats them, she yells at them, she might, you know, she might hit them or, you know, downgrade them at times, but she loves her sisters and she would do anything to save her sisters. And we see the spell. There's one spell that when they do it, doesn't bring them back, but it sends her to them. So she ends up going away. Um, so that ends up, ends up what happening. Could there be a third one? There always can be. But this one is, again, it looks the same. They, you know, you can tell the people aged a little bit. Um, they don't have that same youthful glow, but I've, it works with how they they are they're trying to become young again it, it actually works in that aspect because the Sanders sisters are getting older and that's you know bothering Winifred the most and you can kind of see as she's aged a bit it, it bothers her more that she looks older and she sees that she's older but again the movie is it has a lot callbacks to the original it's fun it's jovial it has you know the moments that make you laugh the moments that make you like oh you know like i said with them it gives it has a heart this is one of the better sequels that are done you know 30 years past when they should have been done um a lot of times when you get sequels and i'm looking at you dumb and dumb and dumber 2 and 
stuff like and you know movies like that when they wait so long to do sequels a lot of times they don't work because they they can't recreate that for a new audience or a new generation this didn't try to recreate hocus pocus this just added to that story of hocus pocus and it made it for a newer generation but also gave it for people like me who watched the original who actually enjoyed the original it's you know fun for the entire family that that's what disney does and disney did a great job here my hats off to bet midler and all of them for reprising these roles and keeping them relevant keeping them funny and keeping it keeping them sane and and you know again giving them heart and giving them more a character development past what they were you know they weren't just the the evil witches looking to try to steal children and steal the souls of children to make themselves younger we go from that to winifred being a you know i need my sisters i love my sisters i don't want to be without my sisters it, it, it honestly is is a great heartfelt moment and it's a fun movie if you have disney plus if you're a fan of the original one watch it and you'll enjoy it again some of the stuff could be changed a little bit in my eyes but the movie actually ends up being pretty well done we're saving the remake for last and i know what you're thinking Wait, what's the difference between a reboot and a remake? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jay, because a remake is like a reboot where the studio doesn't care how the audience feels about the original movie, so they just keep the title, fuck up everything else, and ruin both flicks in the process. See? Hellraiser has had many incarnations. We've had some that are great. One is a classic in horror. It's, it is horror and gory before horror and gore was a big thing it was mainstream gore hellraiser 2 was good and the aspect of it built onto the story of one bloodline told the making of the lament box that um, contained hellraiser the puzzle box that you had to solve to bring pinhead and the cenobites we've had again many many ones everyone seemed to change the lore of the puzzle box change the lore of pinhead bring the cenobites in change what the story was um Doug Bradley has paid, played Pinhead in every movie except three. He wasn't in Revelations in 2011, and he wasn't in Judgment in 2018, and he is not in Hellraiser 2022. This one um, is, a again, a remake. They're trying to remake the franchise. They're wiping the slate clean, and it's not a bad movie if you look at it in the aspect of all the films it's actually one of the better sequels i think to the films even though it's not connected to the original series but again most of the sequels after the second the third one or even the fourth one i think it was one two three and four they they didn't really follow the story anyway they just kind of did their own thing the only thing that was there was the puzzle box and pinhead um this one is complete a complete redesign Hellraiser, this, the remake, has been in purgatory in Hollywood for years. I know that in from 2011, when they did Revelations, they were trying to remake the original one. They wanted to. Clive Barker was going to write it. He said he wanted to do what he originally had planned because he, he wanted money. You know, he's going to get money to do it. Um, the people, then the people who did Martyrs was signed on to write it, and there's been people attached to the script constantly, and it's just been in purgatory. It finally was picked up, and Hulu is going to release it. Hulu released it on Hulu instead of a theater release. They did this with Prey, the Predator prequel. Um, it seems to be working for Hulu that when they release movies like this. And the movie, again, like I said, as a sequel, if you look at it in the in the series, is not bad. It's one of the better uh, installments of the franchise. There are some issues I have with this. One is the story of this kind of completely changes what 
the puzzle box was. The whole thing about Hellraiser, Pinheads, the Cenobites, and this puzzle box was solving it was going to show you pain by and show you pleasure. You could only get the pleasure by experiencing pain. There was gore. There was there was it was sex. It was you know BDSM. It was all of this and the iconic look of the Cenobites, the leather outfits, the you know the skin ripped off the gore the chains they kept the chains they redesigned all of the cenobites in this they're kind of mechanical instead of wearing leather they're not wearing anything they're they're naked but their skin is exposed or, or they're cut up it's hard to explain exactly what they look like without actually seeing them but i actually prefer the old look of it the, the leather outfit the gothic look it kind of gave them a a more sinister feel to me it kind of gave them a feel of what a quote-unquote demon would appear like in that form the Cenobites are demons but not demons they're basically harbingers to show you you know the pleasures and pain of the world they show you things that no no mere mortal can stand and that was the whole point of this now this is pretty much the same thing Pinhead has been completely recast here they have actually um, swapped genders Pinhead is played by Jamie Clayton and this the uh, actress she's been in she's been in Netflix since eight she's been in the L word um, and when they said that they had cast her in this role again Doug Bradley's available and Doug Bradley gave her the seal of approval They're, they usually do I was hesitant and again it's not because it's a woman let me get that out of the way now it's because you have certain characters and certain people who play characters that are so iconic it is hard to recast like I said, with two previous sequels that have recast the role of Pinhead, neither one of them could actually, even though they tried, could grasp the 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 way that Doug Bradley spoke, the way he moved, his allure, his look. They couldn't seem to capture that. It's hard to do. You know, you have um, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, Kane Hodder playing Jason, Gunnar Hansen playing Leatherface, uh Brad Dourif playing Chucky. You have certain roles that people get in horror, especially. You get cast in these roles, and it works so well that you become the standard bearer for that. So when they recast, I was like, "This is I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to give it a shot because the Hellraiser movies are good movies. And if you're a fan of horror and classic horror, and especially if you're a fan of gore horror, these were your thing, your your go tos uh, back in the day." So it comes out she does a, a decent job. She's not doing a bad job. She's trying to portray the pinhead character the way Doug Bradley did. It's just the look is so different and the story is so different. I don't think it was going to work the way that it could have worked had Doug Bradley been. Again, I would have kept the original design. The new design isn't bad. It just, to me, isn't what a Cenobite is. It also changes the entire story of the um, puzzle box the puzzle box originally when you opened it you were the one that they took now there are six configurations of the puzzle box and every time you solve one a blade will pop out of the box and it stabs you or stabs someone and when it stabs someone and it tastes their blood the Cenobites go after them and that's it's weird because that the person that solves the puzzle box isn't the one that they're after unless they get cut. They only go after who whose blood gets on the puzzle box and who it absorbs so they know who to go after. 
Um, and the whole point of this is after the sixth configuration, when you've had all the sacrifices, he, the person holding the puzzle box at the end is supposed to have a basically a one-on-one -on -one with God or the God of the puzzle box or a God. It just says God, but it never really says, you know, our God. It just says a God that's involved in the puzzle box. Um, so this revolves around a a guy who hires two people to steal the uh, puzzle box for him. He has opened it once. He has already solved it, and he is, you know, it's supposed to give you your best wish or what you wish the most. And he wanted to experience things he'd never experienced. Well, he got pain, and there's a machine that's lodged in him that spins his insides and moves and just causes his pain to where he's never able to rest. It's always giving him a sensation. So he hires two people to basically do the configuration, and they're both junkies or alcoholics in AA. Um, the girl gets it, and she opens the box the first time, and her brother is the first one that gets taken. After her brother, it's just a series of people getting taken every time the puzzle box gets sold. But again, it's whenever it comes open, whoever gets stabbed. And we see that even the Cenobites, at one point she stabs Chatterbox, who is another Cenobite that we all know. He's from the other movies. Like he's one of the more, probably the second most iconic Cenobite out there next to Pinhead. She stabs him, and even the Cenobites can be a sacrifice. Um... <sighs> The movie uh, visually is it's 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 it on tone with the other Hellraiser films. Uh, story wise, the story isn't bad. I really wish that they kind of would have kept the original spirit of it and kept the original story of the puzzle box. I don't like the six figure configuration of the puzzle box. The fact it changes like it does, it kind of takes away from the iconicness of the puzzle box and what it was. Um, the fact that the person that opens it isn't the one they go after it's who they have to have six sacrifices to get it open that i don't really like that aspect of it again the character design while it looked okay i really liked the old one better i think it just worked better for the hellraiser films the acting in this is done well um this this movie kind of move instead of just being a like a, a spiritual horror movie it's more on the aspect of a um slasher because you have the Cenobites stalking the people that have been stabbed or you know sacrificed to the puzzle box so it's, it's more of a a psych a psycho slasher film than the other ones were the other ones weren't didn't seem to be more didn't seem to be type of a slasher film this seems to be more in a slasher type genre it's not a slasher film as you know a Jason would be or scream or something like that but it seems like it has more aspects of slasher films than it does that psychological um, sci-fi horror that it was. The gore is over the top. They didn't skimp on any of the gore. They didn't skip on any of the designs of the Cenobites. Like they are still, you know, ripped apart. The, the, there's a lot of practical effects that look good. Um, they kind of mix it with CGI at times. Sometimes the CGI is a little iffy, but it's never truly just taking you out of it bad. Uh, I do like the fact that, like I said, the makeup and stuff is for the most part, practical effects. That's what needs to be done uh, when you do these type of films. You've got to have practical effects to pull off because if you try to CG too much of it, it's just not going to work. So as far as the, the series goes, I really think that this isn't a, a bad um, placement of the series in the Hellraiser franchise. I just don't think that it's the best one, and I really 
kind of wish they would have stuck more to the original storyline and the original story of the puzzle box and how it went instead of trying to remake it. But when you get new directors, new writers, people, again, want to try to make their own way. They want to take something and make it their own. And it, it, it worked in the way they were trying to do it. If this wasn't called Hellraiser, if this was called something else, I would have really liked it. But when you, the problem when you make a movie like this and you, you connect it to a movie that's been done before, you're always going to have a, that classic film put up against this. Visually, does this look better? Probably because there's more money put into it than was the original. The effects are, you know, more updated. You're allowed, you're able to do more now with effects than you were back then. But again, I think the character design looked better back then. I think the story overall was better back then. They give you little homages to the original, but it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel the same. Uh, but again, not a bad movie. Not a bad movie in the Hellraiser franchise. I, there are a lot worse ones out there. Uh, you know. Hell World is one of them. That's just right off the top of my head. This isn't a bad one in the franchise, and it's actually an enjoyable movie. And if you like the Hellraiser series, you're you're you can enjoy this film. You'll you'll like this film. It keeps on tone with what the originals were, as far as like I said, the the scares, the uh, gore, the the dread that comes with it. It just I wish that they would have led leaned more into the pleasure and pain aspect of it. You get your sex in this, like you do. It's not as you know, out there as it was, but it seems like it's more, it's not as psychosexual as the other ones were, but it still keeps that aspect in. However, still a good film in the franchise. Thank you all for listening. Uh, that's going to do it for today. We've done three movies. Um, like I said, a prequel, a sequel, and a remake. Uh, go watch them all. Tell me what you think about them. Again, I think that they all have their own place in the series, in the uh, franchises that they hold i think some of them hold up better than others and i think that some of them you know could be changed but i mean what are you going to do they're not giving me the reins on any of these movies they're not giving me the writing or the directing on any of these movies but again they all hold a hold a special place for halloween time you know they're all here for the spooky season and again they all have their their place in the uh, timelines of the movies that they occupy or the series that they occupy well that's going to be all thank you all for your listening um Remember to follow me on Instagram. I'm at Nerdpool Podcast. I am on Twitter at Nerdpool Pod. I am on Twitch at Nerdpool Gaming. I am on TikTok at Nerdpool Podcast. Thank you all for the love and the support. Remember to click that like button, click the share button. Uh, it really helps. It really helps the podcast out. You are all amazing. So until next time, remember to stay in the light. See ya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nerdpool. Be sure to come back next time for more tales of the frightening and the dreadful. Until next time, remember to avoid things that go bump in the night.